Welcome to Living Biblically, a podcast from Graceland Church. Join us as Pastor Nate shares biblical wisdom that we can use in our daily lives and relationships to help us put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. Hey, this is Nate Milliken with Graceland Church. I serve as the lead pastor here at Graceland Church. I'm so grateful that uh, you took the time just to be with me and to listen to this podcast on Living Biblically. I hope and pray it serves you well. And what I want to do in this podcast is I want to talk about knowledge that transforms is personal. Knowledge that really transforms is personal. And and as this podcast is entitled Living Biblically, we really believe here at Graceland Church, as we seek to put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors, all of that is derived from, comes from the Word of God, from the Bible. The, the 39 books in the Old Testament, the 27 books in the New Testament that comprise the Bible, God's voice, His words written down for your good, for my good, for His renown and glory as we come to understand the purpose and the plan, the overarching narrative that's found in the person and the work of Jesus. And true knowledge um, that transforms us is, is personal. And uh, I want to I read a little excerpt from a book called Sheltering Mercy, Prayers Inspired by the Psalms. It's by two guys, authored by two guys, Ryan Whitaker Smith, who's actually the son of Michael W. Smith, who's written um, a ton of songs in, in contemporary Christian music. So Ryan Whitaker Smith and Dan Wilt, they wrote this book, Sheltering Mercy, Prayers Inspired by the Psalms. And this is part of Psalm 19, entitled Night and Day. I want to read to you just, uh, just a portion of it, because it speaks to the power the transformative power of the Word of God that the Spirit of God uses to help us look more, feel more, um, be more like Jesus. It reproves us, corrects us, trains us, exhorts us, refreshes us. And so here's what they write. Your ways are righteous and true, a fruit evergreen, reviving, renewing, transforming me from one degree of glory to another into the image of Christ. In you are the paths of life. Your words are sweet to my tongue, my joy and delight. From seed time to harvest, in cold and in heat, summer and winter, day and night, I long to do your will, to walk in your ways. The grass withers, the flower fades, but your word stands forever. My life is preserved by listening, heeding, following your commandments. They are not far off. They are near me in my mouth in my heart. So we want to be people who live biblically as we yield our lives to the Bible and uh, understand this knowledge, a knowledge that transforms, is not only objective, but it's personal. Uh, a knowledge that transforms is personal, not just objective. It's connected to someone real, and transformation grows from that relationship. So think about if you're married or if you have a, um, a close a close friend, um, a mom, a close, a close relationship with your mother, with your father, or, or a close relationship with a friend. Um, I know that my wife loves me because of my experience of her and her experience with me. So I know that I'm deeply loved. She knows that she's deeply loved because we have, we have experienced that truth, that reality. A lot of people, when you ask them, and I, I preached this several months ago at Graceland Church. A lot of people, when you ask them, hey, what do you think about God? What's your understanding of God? 
how to experience God. And, and people will say very quickly, God is forgiving, God is merciful, God's gracious, He's He's kind, He's loving. But oftentimes, if you if you press a little further and you try to peel back what's going on in the, the inner workings of their heart, a lot of people, if they're being really honest or maybe vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerability is is where you say something, share something that you're a little afraid, you're scared of how it's going to be received, how it's going to come across. What are they going to think about me if I really tell them what's going on in my heart? A lot of people, perhaps you listening, if someone were to ask you, hey, what is your understanding of God? You might say, well, I think God is disinterested in me. I think God, um, God's tired of me. Uh, God might be angry with me. If God, if God really knew, and he does, what was going on in my life, um, he certainly wouldn't love me, let alone like me. And the truth is, as we look at the scriptures, you're chosen, you're loved, he likes you, he's for you. And one of the realities, as I've said many times on this podcast, a question that my son asked me several months ago, back in 2023, hey, Dad, what do you know now that you wish you could have told your younger self? And what an amazing question. My son was 12. He had just turned 12 years old when he asked me that question. I love my son, Samuel. And I immediately said, hey, son, what a great question. I would tell my younger self, Nathan, be more kind to yourself. Now, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about that, but as I'm growing and being kind to myself and and experiencing that reality, it's coming because I'm sensing and experiencing and believing and embracing that God loves me, He likes me, He's kind to me, He's for me, I'm a son of God, um, He's chosen me, He's for me, not against me. And this knowledge is not just objective, like some, some details uh, of facts, but it, it's, it's actually personal. It's connected to, to Him as I'm, I'm growing and understanding who He is. Is. And one of the things that I was reading about several months ago is from a book called The Gift of Being Yourself, The Sacred Call to Self-Discovery by a guy named David Benner. The Gift of Being Yourself, The Sacred Call to Self-Discovery. He writes in his book that knowing God and knowing self are independent, are interdependent. Knowing God and knowing self are interdependent. Now, perhaps that's maybe a phrase or verbiage you've not heard a lot before. It, it was a little new to me, though. There were aspects of it I understood, like really to know yourself is to know God, to really know God is to know yourself. And kind of There is this interdependence that, that we understand as, as we get to understand who God is. God reveals himself to us, and we learn a little bit more about ourselves. There is this kind of um, symbiotic, synergistic working of, of knowledge. Knowing God and knowing self are interdependent. So I want to give you a little a case study that I read through that was really helpful, that made this reality, made this truth, knowing God and knowing self are interdependent, made it, it gave me some handles. It made it uh, made it to where I was like, man, that, that really makes sense. So let me just walk through this real quick. When you think about the person of Peter, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, you have the calling of the first disciples. And it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, he being Jesus, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible tells us, immediately they left their nets and followed 
Jesus. Now you can say, man, they left their vocation, the comfort, they left their they left their wage that they were earning. I mean, they knew Jesus was the one, the one that they anticipated the Old Testament uh, had, was had written about. This is the one that they they longed to see the Messiah. Did they they really know Jesus? Did Peter really know himself? I would say I don't know if Peter really knew himself, nor did he really know God. Well, if you keep going in terms of the biblical narrative, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 20, uh, verses 22 through 33, you have the account of Jesus walking on water. Uh, the Bible tells us immediately he, Jesus, he made the disciples get into the boat, he dismissed the crowds, they go up on the mountain by themselves to pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way off from the land, and, and there was a storm coming, beaten by the waves, the wind was against them, and in the fourth watch of the night, um, which is probably sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., uh, Jesus comes to them walking on the water, walking on the sea, and they were terrified, the Bible says. They're in verse 26 of Matthew 14. They cry, it's a ghost. They cry out in fear. And uh, as a friend of mine says, the gift of fear should drive us to trust and wisdom. The gift of fear, right? It's a good thing to be fearful, right? I'm a fearful of snakes. I'm fearful of tall buildings, right? It should drive us to trust and wisdom. It's a ghost. They cry out in fear, but in trust and wisdom, um, he wants them to not be afraid. So Jesus says, hey, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Well, Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you out in the water. Trust and wisdom. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. I mean, he got out of the boat and he's walking on water and he goes to Jesus. But he saw the wind. He took his eyes off Jesus and he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So again, in this narrative, does Peter really know himself? Well, I don't, I don't know. Does he really know himself in terms of does he really trust in Jesus? Does he really know the identity, the purpose, and the power of Jesus? At one point, he seems to very much understand the person and the power and the presence of Jesus. And the next moment, he doesn't understand. So does Peter really know himself? Does Peter really know Christ? I mean, perhaps some of his fears and anxieties have been assuaged and his trust increases because he's seen Jesus to a degree he hadn't before, but he takes his eyes off Jesus and then he, he begins to sink. What? Let's keep, continue to go. What about John 13? Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And then Simon Peter says to him, Lord, don't only wash my feet, but wash my hands and my head. Wash every part of me. And Jesus is trying to convey that the nature and identity of the Messiah that he is, is a suffering Messiah that is going to serve people, and he's going to do things that even the disciples don't want to do, like clean somebody's feet. You, you probably know a, lot, a, little, a little bit about, um, you know, in that particular culture, they, they had sandals, they walked, their, their feet were nasty, grimy. I mean, some of y'all got some nasty toes and some nasty toenails and you got toe jam. I mean, to, I mean, think about walking around hour after hour, day after day, week after week, without paved roads, without gravel roads, but just but just dirt roads. And it would rain from time to time and your and your just feet got nasty. And Jesus is trying to convey the nature and identity of the Messiah, and they don't get it. And so he says, I'm gonna wash your feet. He's trying to teach them about. 
servant-orientedness. And Peter says, no, no, don't, don't ever wash my feet. And, and Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part of me. And Peter says, well, wash all of me. And Jesus says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Then he goes through to talk about the fact that there's going to be someone who betrays him. And in verse 36, Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said to him, um, where I'm going, you can't follow, but you will follow afterward. And Peter says to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter, in a moment, a declaration of courage, of confidence, I will follow you anywhere you're going to go. I would give my life for you. And Jesus gives this such a difficult word to Peter. Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, what I'm about to say is really important. Emphasis. Listen, Peter, I say to you, the rooster will crow, will not crow till you have denied me three times, right? The, the infamous declaration of Jesus to Peter. Peter, do you really think that you're willing to give your life? Do you really know yourself? Do you really know me? Remember, knowing God and knowing self are interdependent. I'll give my life for you. And Jesus says, well, actually, the rooster is going to crow three times, and then you're going to deny who I am, deny actually even knowing me. And then you go to John chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, verses 15 through 17. What happens? Simon Peter, one of the disciples, he was known to the high priest. He entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter stood outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter. And the servant girl at the door said to Peter, Aren't you also one of this man's disciples? He says, I'm not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Again, in verse 25, verse 27, Aren't you one of the disciples? No, I'm not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once... You know what happened? A rooster did what? Crowed. Fulfilling what Jesus had said in John chapter 13 and John chapter 14 about Jesus giving a prophetic word in John 13 verse 38 that the rooster will crow three times after you have denied me three times. What was Peter's life like after this? What was it like? What was taking place in his life? Did he know himself. He thought he knew himself. He thought he knew Jesus. Knowledge of self, knowing self and knowing God are interdependent. And I want to read you an excerpt. I think it's really helpful as you think about your own life. Do you know Jesus? Do you know yourself? Have you let Jesus go deep into your heart to reveal and expose and teach you things about the interworkings of your heart, knowledge of self, knowing self, knowing who you really are, and knowing God are interdependent. All right, and here's what David Benner says. What might Peter tell us at this point about his knowing of God and himself? I suspect he would have first said how little he had truly known either himself or Jesus prior to this. With regard to Jesus, I suspect he would repeat with amazement how forgiving Jesus was. What he had known as objective information from witnessing Jesus' encounters with others, he now knew deeply and personally. And I'm sure 
he would have spoken of his new level of readiness to follow the Christ whom he now knew in his heart, not just his mind. The interweaving of the deepening knowledge of self and God that we've seen in Peter's experience illustrates the way genuine knowing of God and self occurs. Peter, hear me out, listener, Peter could not truly know Jesus apart from knowing himself in relation to Jesus. He did not know himself until Jesus showed him who he was. But in learning about himself, he also came to truly know Jesus. There was areas of Peter's life that he had yet to mine out. There were nooks and crannies and crevices that Jesus, because he loved Peter, was relentlessly committed to exposing through circumstances, through his sovereignty, bringing about what was really in Peter's heart. And if you don't know how Peter's life ended, Peter was a disciple. He was martyred for his faith, meaning he was murdered for his faith and allegiance to Jesus, and he was going to be crucified. But he appealed to his accusers, do not, do not give me a punishment in the same manner of the Lord Jesus. And so tradition holds true that Peter was crucified upside down um, because of his allegiance. He, he really, truly knew Jesus as he truly understood and knew himself. Deep knowing of God and deep knowing of self always develop interactively. The result is the authentic transformation of the self that is at the core of Christian discipleship. Peter did not really know himself until Jesus showed him who he was. I mean, that's really good stuff. So here's a couple questions. What has Jesus shown you? Or what is Jesus showing you about who he is, his personhood, his character, his ways, his presence? And what is Jesus showing you about yourself? Be specific with some details of your life. Again, the Word of God through the presence and the person of the Spirit of God changes us as we fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, a knowledge of Jesus and a knowledge of self, they work interdependently so that authentic transformation of self takes place, which is called sanctification, which is called Christ-likeness or discipleship or Christian spirituality. Let me read it one more time. Deep knowing of God and deep knowing of self always develop interactively or interdependently. The result is the authentic, sincere, genuine transformation of the self that is at the core of Christian spirituality, Christian discipleship, the ways of following after Jesus. In what ways are you changing? I hope that encouraged you, refreshed you, and even challenge you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living Biblically. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Living Biblically. We hope this episode encouraged you today. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at questions at gracelandbaptist.org.